This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? Well, I've just been praying to our Heavenly Father, asking Him that He would put His love in my voice and His truth in my mind and His power, the power of the Holy Spirit in everything that is said, so that those of you, dear ones who listen, may find that there's something there just for you. God knows what we need. Jesus, our Lord, said, Your heavenly Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. He likes to have us ask. He he likes to have us come as dear children to him and ask him. But he knows, just as any wise parent or grandparent knows a child's needs, so he knows our needs, and he cares. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth, the Bible says, for you. You are his concern. We were looking at Mark chapter 3, where the uh, scribes, these know-it-alls from Jerusalem, came down and said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the demons casteth he out demons. They were ascribing the work of the blessed Holy Spirit to Satan. In effect, they were rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ as God's Messiah. Well, our Lord Jesus didn't shout back at them didn't even scold them. He asked them a question, how can Satan cast out Satan? You may try ever so hard, my dear friend, aside from the redeeming and transforming grace of God, to uh, make your life measure up to Christian standards. But when it comes right down to it, as long as you're under the control of sin and Satan and the forces of this world, you can't really make all of that work against itself. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that unsaved people are under the control of the spirit who now worketh in the children of disobedience. Uh, This is a hard saying, and many people back off from it because they say, oh, I know a lot of nice people who can't possibly be under the control of Satan. But he says here in Ephesians 2, Paul does, You hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked, that means lived every day. You lived every day in all of this, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now worketh in the children of disobedience. You now see the, the key word there is according. Greek word kata, which means right down along the line of. You lived right along the line of the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Satan the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience. So uh, you may try ever so hard, my friend. Somebody listening this minute needs this message. Listen to it, dear friend. You may be trying ever so hard to approximate the type of life that you might call Christian, but you're not succeeding, nor indeed will you, because Satan can't cast out Satan. And as long as you haven't yielded yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and have come under his control, you are under the control of another. And it just isn't going to work. You cannot fake the Christian life. The only answer 
is to yield yourself to the Lord Jesus, commit yourself absolutely to him, repent of your sins, turn away from them, turn in faith to him, the one who can transform your life, and let him begin to run it. The secret, Paul says in Colossians 1, uh, of the Christian life is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When the Lord Jesus enters into your life and by his Holy Spirit begins to reproduce in you his attributes and qualities, then you will be living indeed a Christian life. We had a few moments together on this theme of binding the strong man. How do you oppose Satan successfully? Number one, realize you're in a battle. Gird yourself for a battle, not a dialogue. Then second, know how Satan has been defeated and use the same methods for victory in your own life. Revelation 12:11 is a revealing verse in that regard, isn't it? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Three things to remember. Jesus died for you. He shed his blood for you, and you can plead the merits of that shed blood as over against any opposition of satanic forces. Jesus shed his blood for me. I hide under that blessed covering of God's righteousness given to me in Christ. And it says the word of their testimony, and that word always needs to be based upon God's eternal word, the Bible. The Lord Jesus quoted scripture to Satan during his own temptation there in the wilderness as recorded, for example, in Matthew chapter 4. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Satan cannot stand the authority of the word of God. You are safe from every satanic attack, ladies and gentlemen, when you are filled with the word of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, and using that word as your sword of the Spirit, as Paul calls it in Ephesians 6. Not only that, however, but it was the word of their testimony. What you personally know about the Lord Jesus based on his word, uh, which you proclaim, is in itself a blessed shield against all of the attacks of the evil one. The word of their testimony. When you share your faith in the Lord Jesus with someone else, you are at the same time successfully combating Satan's powers. And then it says, they loved not their lives unto the death. That is to say, even if it costs me my life, I'm going to obey God. That's what they had, had said. For the classic illustration of that comes from the Old Testament. The three uh, young Hebrew young men who refused to bow down to the big image that uh, the king had set up. Do you remember that story as it's recorded in the book of Daniel? Uh, the king issued this command that when when you hear the when you hear the uh, symphony orchestra begin to play, then everybody is to bow down to that image. I suspect that it was an image of himself. Nebuchadnezzar says made an image of gold. His height was three score cubits. Now a cubit is uh, the distance. Normally, it was the distance between. Your, the end of your fingers and your elbow. So that turns out to be about 18 inches, a foot and a half. So 
The height was three score, that's sixty times one and a half. That's ninety feet high. That's a big image, isn't it? And it says it was gold. Can you imagine how much that might cost in today's market? He gathered all the people and the rulers together, and the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and the rulers of the provinces gathered together. And he said, Now, what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up, and whoso falleth not down worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Well, you know everybody did that, except three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were still standing tall, and everybody else was down on their faces before that idol. Well, the king said, I'll give you one more chance. But if you don't, into the furnace you go. Well, they said, we're not worried. I'm reading now from Daniel 3.16. said, we're not worried. The word there in the King James Version is careful, but that means care-filled or worried. We're not worried about our answer in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, see if he doesn't deliver us. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, and nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now that's commitment. God's able to deliver us. But if he doesn't choose to, if we're burned to a crisp, there in those terrible flames, he says, no, we're not going to we're not going to bow down to the idol anyway. We're committed to God. Now that's the the thought that you find there in Revelation twelve eleven. They loved not their lives unto the death. Communists many years ago were called dead men on furlough, meaning they'd already decided that if it cost them their lives, they were glad to give their lives for their cause. You and I can do no less than to yield our all to Jesus Christ, no matter what it costs. A friend of mine prayed, Oh God, I want to be a deeper Christian. I want my life and my ministry to be deepened no matter what it costs. Now, I don't fall for the ancient fallacy after this, therefore, because of this. But within a very short time of that prayer, severe illness struck his family, and there were prolonged uh, agonizing hours of, of combating that illness and finally the death of a dear one. And in the process, we could watch that individual grow spiritually through the travail and through the burden and through the heartache and through the tears. There was the immense spiritual growth that occurred. I don't know what God may use to answer your prayer and mine concerning his lordship in our lives. I only know this. If you want to defeat Satan, you have to decide that you're going all out for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that no matter what it costs you, right straight up to the matter of giving up your life, if need be, you're going to be true to your blessed Lord. Amen? Well, there's another passage, while time serves us here, that I want you to see, and that is, Simon Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, like a roaring lion, is walking around seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist? Now, you can change that relative pronoun around and read it this way. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Resist him, steadfast 
in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your, your brethren that are in other parts of the world. Have you learned to resist Satan? In faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can stand against him. Uh, now, there, there, this passage in 1 Peter 5 is parallel to something that is mentioned in James as well. James 4. He says, <clears throat> God giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, period. Resist the devil, comma, and he will flee from you. Now, what is the process there in James? Receiving God's grace, submitting yourselves to God, and resisting the devil. Look at 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because of your adversary the devil. Resist him, steadfast in faith. So you have God's grace. You have that self-humbling of yourself before God, submission to God. And then you have, by faith, the process of resisting Satan. Learn to stand against Satan in faith because Jesus, our blessed Lord, has already won the victory. Paul says in Colossians that he spoiled, that is to say, he just won the battle and took away all the loot. <laughs> he spoiled principalities and powers at his cross. The victory is won. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Father, today may we resist Satan successfully because Jesus is our victor. In his name I pray, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.